Sutra 6. The mental modifications are restrained by practice and non-attachment. When I first met souls from the other side, they made it sound like death was so easy, but I felt so alone as I wandered without a body. The yogini, girl, the cats, and I all waited by the train tracks when I realized that every one of us had come to die. We had died to our lower nature, but we were caught in between. Some intense mystery where we seemed to be pinned in a dream. More often than not, I found peace on my own. So that's when I wandered to the edge of this wonderful oasis and found forgiveness all alone. He gazed up at those stars. He spoke to himself as if the souls in different realms could hear from forever far. To anyone feeling lost and defeated, remember the way home. Go sit beside the flowers and trees. This is where the wild souls are grown. And if you're confused about what's next, don't dwell that we may be lost. The way is forward, and so we carry on at all costs. Remember this way is the path we pave, and so we learn another lesson from nature. Only by going through hardship can we learn what it means to be brave. You are that wild flower, and you've come such a long way. Look to the light and rest in our nature. This is the same teaching that the wildest flowers display. And if you feel trapped, remember how this ground holds our roots. We have departed upon a great journey. Only by growing through discomfort can we produce the best fruit. We may not realize it now, but we are just where we're meant to be. Rejoice for this moment, for this moment is what sets us free said forgiveness. I sat beside him and wondered where our instinct had gone. We are a species that is called to look after the earth. But how come so much has gone wrong? We have been given a fantastic purpose. All we have to do is look after ourselves and the earth. And yet for so much life upon the land, it's as if all life is cursed. The debt and oppression restricts us. Now the children of life are in such danger. The rich live so lavishly, while 98% of the world is so poor. I wish I could be calm, but all I feel is anger. When we view these issues from the material world, it's terrible and morose. But from the point of view of the soul, it's all part of our spiritual growth. Once we have died, we realize these physical problems don't impact our soul. And so when we view these dilemmas from a worldly perspective, we grasp at outcomes as if the world was in our control. Upon dying, we enter into the realm of spirit. We remember that the material world is an illusion. Keep your mind centered on our spiritual worth, and then you will transcend this awful confusion. Thank God that our material bodies die. Let this be a lesson you do not forget. Offer your living life to protect the planet, not take from it. This is the message so many people have missed, said forgiveness. Yet my mind is still curious about all the confusion. Like what is all this shit? 
How do we make sense of the pain? What do you do with the suffering that never quits? A moment later, the smoky cat approached. Forgiveness, it said. Huh? To answer your question, we can offer up forgiveness. And if that doesn't work, well that's why they call me Mr. Kismet. You see, I've got a few tricks under my paws. Did you know that all cats come from God? Every creature everywhere is born perfectly, which means we have the same spiritual nature that has no flaws. And so when you feel pain, maybe the suffering makes you want to quit. I have a method that helps me when I just can't take any more of it. I feel what I'm feeling. I really melt into it like wax. And once I notice the pain, I ask myself one question. Could anyone else ever have felt this bad? And the answer is always, perhaps. When you think of it like that, it allows you to zoom out a bit. There you realize that the same pain and suffering you're feeling, well, there are many others who also have wanted to throw in the towel and quit. Now it's not just you alone. You see that this pain stretches into many others just like you. Can you go on for them? And if so, then show the rest of us what you'll do. You see, it's not so easy, but it is very simple. Offering up your pain and suffering to the world, then you'll have your answer, and on top of that, you'll be a leader and example," said Mr. Kismet. Now how come you cats are so smart? Where did you discover this advice that you've been giving? I'm starting to think you've been through a great deal of pain too, and how come it feels like you know what I'm thinking? It's the vibrations that emanate from you. Understand the message you communicate with another being. It has nothing to do with what you say, and it has nothing to do with the look on the musculature of your face. It's much deeper than that, much deeper. It's the vibrations that emanate from you, said forgiveness. You know, conversations like this aren't easy, but they must be discussed. And when you tune into those vibrations, you listen to your intuition, and that's how you know who you can trust, said Mr. Kismet. Their presence inspired an uplifted wind that ran through me. Shiva Shakti was present, yet she appeared to be cloaked in invisibility. Well, Mr. Kismet and forgiveness, fair enough. But what am I supposed to do when so many live in harmful ways that break the world's trust? Am I caught in misperceptions and delusions for failing to forgive my fellow man? And how can we be real protectors when the earth is stuck in patterns where the humans are still abusing women? And what about slavery? And what about greedy sellouts who escape to secret islands to have sex with underage boys and girls? There are real karmic consequences that have been harming our entire society, and so I must ask, how can we actually heal our world? This brings us to the next sutra, and that is, the mental modification or afflictions are restrained by practice and non-attachment. On the positive side, you practice. On the other side, you detach yourself from the cause of these modifications. The mystic gives both a positive and negative approach to thought control, which proceeds to elucidate in the following sutras. Of these two, effort towards steadiness of mind is practice, and so we examine the sutras to expand upon continuous practice, 
which is not just for one or two days. You have to always be at it, not just for a few minutes a day, and then allowing the mind to have its own free time all the other hours. It means you become eternally watchful, scrutinizing every thought, every word, and every action. How, you might wonder? Well, the mystic gives three qualifications. Practice becomes firmly grounded when well attended for a long time, without break and in all earnestness. The first qualification for the practice is that it should be done for a long time. Unfortunately, we just want the result immediately. If I ask you to repeat a mantra or prayer and tell you that you will become more peaceful and realize beautiful things within, you will go back home, repeat it for three days, and then call me and say, I've repeated it for three days, but nothing happened. Maybe this is not a suitable mantra for me. Can you give me a different one? So the sage says, for a long time, but doesn't say how long. And then the second qualification says it should be without a break. I often hear, oh, I've been practicing yoga, religion, or spirituality for the past 10 years, but I'm still the same. But how often? Has it been off and on? And so it must be continuous practice also. And the last qualification is in all earnestness. That means with full attention, with the entire application of your mind, and with full faith in your achievement. Even when you want something or somebody on the worldly level, you will be at it day and night. You don't sleep, you don't even eat, you are always at it. If this quality is necessary to achieve even worldly success, how much more success in yoga? So let us not be like little children who sow a seed today and dig it up tomorrow to see how much the root went down. We need all these three qualities, patience, devotion, and faith. This reminds me of a small story given in the Hindu scriptures. In the Devaloka, or the heavenly plane where divine beings live, there is a great Maharishi or sage called Narada. Just as there are great yogis here, so they are also among God. So Narada travels all over and sometimes comes to earth to see how we are doing. One day, he was passing through a forest and saw a yoga student who had been meditating for so long that the ants had built an anthill around his body. The yogi looked at Narada and said, Narada, sir, where are you going? To heaven, to the Lord's place, he said. Oh, could you please do something for me there? Sure, what can I do, said Narada. Could you find out from the Lord how many more births I must meditate? I have been sitting here for quite a long time, so please find out. Sure, said Narada. Then Narada walked a few miles further and saw another man, but this one was jumping and dancing and singing with all joy, chanting and praying to God. When he saw Narada, he said, Hi Narada, where are you going? To heaven. Oh, that's great! Could you please find out for how long I have to be here like this? When will I get final liberation? Sure, I will, said Narada. So after many years, Narada happened to be by the same route again and saw the first man. The yogi recognized him and said, Narada, I haven't had an answer from you. 
Did you get to heaven? What did the Lord say? Nadada said, I asked, but the Lord said you still have to take another four births. Another four births? Haven't I waited long enough? said the man. He started shouting and lamenting. Nadada walked further and saw the second man still singing and dancing. Hi, Nadada. What happened? Did you get some news for me? He said. Yes, said Nadada. Well, tell me. Do you see that tree there? Said Nadada. Sure. Can you count the leaves on it? Said Nadada. Sure, I have the patience to do it. Do you want me to count them right away? No, no, no. You can take your time to count, said Nadada. But what has this got to do with my question? Asked the man. Well, the Lord says you will have to take as many births as the number of leaves on that tree, said Nadada. Oh, is that all? So at least it's a limited number then. Now I know where it ends. That's fine. I can quickly finish it off. Thank God that he didn't say all the leaves in the entire forest, said the man. Just then, a beautiful divine wagon came down from heaven, and the driver said to the second man, Come on, would you mind getting in? God has sent for you. Am I going to heaven now? asked the man. Yes, said Nadada. But Nadada, you said I have to take so many more births first, said the man. Yes, but it seems that you were ready and willing to do that, so why should you wait? Come on, said Nadada. Now within this mere story, you can easily see the truth behind it. If you are patient, your mind is more settled, and what you can do will be more perfect. If you are unsettled and anxious to get to the result, you are already disturbed. Nothing done with that disturbed mind will have quality. So. It is not only how long you practice, but with what patience, what earnestness, and what quality also," said forgiveness. Yes, I understand, but I'm not even alive. Not long ago I was buried when my old life died. I'm ready and willing, but I don't even know who I am. I feel empty within, ever since I left the body of a man. You are our nature. The seer is the self. Look at the yogini and girl. You are a spiritual being, the same as everyone else," whispered Mr. Kismet. Then where are we going, and why are we called here? The yogini, girl, and I are unattached to our own bodies, and so there is little left we could fear. That is because you are seers, and the reason you are here is because a great train is coming. You decide where it's going, and when it appears said Mr. Kismet. Okay, so I imagine this means I have to take rebirth, and since I was human, there's a good chance I predict we'll end up back upon the earth. Now I won't ask how many more times I must live and die, but rather I am quite curious as to why. Why what? asked Forgiveness. Why go back? The black cat smiled, then he opened the clouds. There a vision came through when I saw something strange. What's that? Football, said Mr. Kismet. You see, the people of Earth are quite distracted. They care little for spiritual practice, and these stadiums of sports attract more people than churches or temples, and can even lead a person into indolence 
intoxication, and even madness. Sports are fun and great. Why, I myself am even a fan of play. But if people worship athletes as false idols, then I question the motive to whom they pray. You see, their faith can easily sway, and they are devoted to people who can throw and run with balls. Meanwhile, the people in the stands worship the pregame beers, the home runs, and all sorts of sports that range from soccer to golf. These sports attract millions of people, and yet these spectators gamble and bet more than they care to pray or worship. They show up, cheer for their team, engage in all sorts of debauchery, which leads many of them to go berserk. If only they had faith that strong. If only they were captivated to protect our world. Yet they'd prefer to honor sports as their main religion. And so I leave it up to you. How will our future occur? Said Mr. Kismet. What do you mean by this? These are your fellow Earth people. And your train is coming soon. The Yogini, girl, and you must do whatever it takes to get the world back in tune. They honor touchdowns, three-pointers, sports talk shows, and all sorts of nonsensical gossip. Meanwhile, the children of life are starving, while the rest of the world bets and prays for their teams as these organizations accrue a horde of profit. Oh, we can change the world, but it begins with a great shift. Summon the train, and we'll take it home to Earth. This is the path that all those souls upon the Earth have missed, said Mr. Kismet. I looked around and saw Girl and the Yogini, then I shrugged at Kismet and Forgiveness. The railroad tracks were still empty, but something felt auspicious. A gentle hum rattled under our feet, and then I heard a locomotive's air horn. I swear it sounded like a stampede of horses, and so I pictured Wind Horse. Told ya, our train is coming and I'm not gonna miss it, said the Yogini. Our soul's body was like some sort of disguise, because underneath we were the essence of creation. By some miracle, we had died and were waiting to find new bodies at a divine train station. Where will we go? The future is completely open, and we are writing it moment to moment. Let's go wherever we are called, but first we must listen to the omens, said Girl. What type of omens? It might come from a sound or thought, maybe from the sky or the oceans. It could take the form of a chance meeting with a new soul or come out through a range of emotions. Listen to life. Let's hear what the vibrations have got to say. We are writing the future with everything we do. We are what we do, not what we say, said Girl. Then can you hear the sage, the mystic in the wind? That's the one who's been whispering to Forgiveness and Mr. Kismet all the mysterious wisdom. Oh, I hear her too, and she speaks to me through movements of the body, breath, and mind. She's teaching me through the yogic postures, and that's how I've become aligned. By getting my own body, breath, and mind in tune, I can pass the same wisdom along to others, and that's why I'm positive the train is coming soon said the yogini. And I too can hear her, and other times I hear him, but I call it Spanda, or the divine pulse of life that lives within. I am that fabric of existence. Yes, we are the consciousness after the body is gone and dead, 
Our thoughts create a vibrational field or an energetic flow, and it manifests from all the things we think, the actions we do, and the words that are said. Spanda is everything, yet everything cannot be known. Awaken Spanda. We are the seed and the flower. Now watch how a lotus is grown. Yes, we are the seer, that energy behind the storm and the rain. I am also the cure, as we awaken Spanda for the relief of all disease and pain. Spanda is the bridge between energy and consciousness. It is the way back home. We are the miracle of life, since Spanda is the magic as to how everything is grown. This energy called Spanda is an energetic vibration that self-exists within all things living and dead. Spanda manifests everywhere and through everything, and it allows pure energy to be changed into thought forms, and these mental modifications are the impressions from what is thought or said. These vibrations are imprinted everywhere, and yet only Spanda can survive through the passage of death. If existence was a story, then everyone has contributed to the book of life once we die. Our impacts and impressions are like the ink that a poet writes," said Girl. So you hear the sage too, but I haven't heard of Spanda before. How do we awaken Spanda? Is that how the brilliance of the lotus transforms? Through the power of vibration frequency, we rest in the resonance of sound to retune the body, speech, and mind. We find that we can reset the layers of our emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual bodies. Then through various frequencies, we can become aligned," said Girl. And you, what does the mystical vision in the wind say to you? How come you prefer movements of the body, and what is it that these postures do? Life is a beautiful dance between strength and ease, movement and stillness, growth and rest, seriousness and play. And you can exist in the space of both at the same time. By following the breath, we hold various postures of the body. These are sacred positions that guide us toward self-mastery. The same way sound resets our system, we use a teacher to guide us while a student listens. This is a direct connection where the student engages in participation. Active and passive, sun and moon, we flow through vinyasas, yin, gentle, restorative, and active poses so that our body, mind, and spirit falls in tune. This is the meaning of yoga. It's the union of two halves, a rejoining of matter and spirit, heaven and earth together at last, said the yogini. So girl, you can tune into the mystic through sound, and the yogini can interpret the same sage through yogic asanas, then I suppose I hear it in rhymes, and so I would call this mystic yana, or sacred knowledge. For me it appears in a rhyme, and I call him and her the Shiva Shakti flow. It's endless and beginningless, since I believe it is impossible to be known. Yet it always responds, like a mirror it reflects a perspective back. With no delay or hesitation whatsoever, there is always wisdom to unpack. But I don't always hear this voice. I cannot always pick up on what this wisdom has to say. There might have been a time I could get there directly, 
but now I listen to forgiveness and Mr. Kismet, otherwise the wisdom would go astray. You know, I never used to be able to hear it, and I wonder if it was just a test. Because back then, I was always thinking only about myself, and I believe that's a formula for getting depressed. When I think only about myself, I think, well what about me? It wasn't until recently that Mr. Kismet helped reveal the point of living is to help all of us get free. And after I died, I started to wake up to see the nature of how things really are. It made me sad at first, because it's not what the living expect, but from this vantage point, after death, the behavior of Earth is quite bizarre. What is it about the world? Why does everyone seem to be trapped? It's as if they're riding Earth through a great voyage, but they're all fighting against the flow, as if everyone lost the treasure map. The world is mostly unaware of the secret after death, and not many give the spirit a chance. Up until the end, we usually grasp and cling, and so this is what it means to be attached. Grasping to worldly things, but it's quite simple that only the soul goes on. And even as it's known that the body will fall away, we should know that the energy of the spirit keeps going along. And of course life is beautiful, but it's clear that humans have gotten so off track. It should be obvious that the commandments state, thou shall not kill. But then why do our countries continue to kill and attack? We kill creatures for our food? We kill pests with harsh chemicals. They kill their own kind with wars and shootings. And that's just the beginning of how badly life on this earth has been mistreated," said Girl. But what if death of the old way is needed? What if it's time for something new? Oh, I've got an idea, and believe it or not, it involves the yogini, the seer, the cats, me, and you. In the dreamy space after death, we discovered the mind could use magic to make various things appear. Only when the mind was centered, stable, and honest could we tap into the magical manifestation powers of the great and powerful seer. I saw a girl do it, because she transformed into a woman balancing a wand upon a crystal bowl. And there a sound resonated so perfectly that it touched the center of all our souls. This attracted more souls, and there I met her white cat named Lily. All sorts of souls came towards the train tracks, and now the once desolate area was packed a bit more fully. Yes, we were dead, but somehow I felt alive and whole. A body had come and gone, but death was not the end of the journey for our soul. Death was a breakthrough to the other side, into something glorious and new. Oh, it's true, but who knew? No one would believe you if you told them death was safe. And yet this is the truth, since it's what all souls go through. Now as Girl began to play another bowl with a second wand, there came another vibration. This unique frequency dawned from the beyond. Out of nowhere, the vibration began to reshape the clouds. The universe was in unison with these frequencies. Yes, this illusion was like a dream, kind of slippery, so I might call it a stream. And now I noticed I could zoom out or in all the way, and nothing was quite as it seemed. As I zoomed out wide, 
I saw the woman playing the singing bowls while a war waged in countries upon the earth. A small but powerful spiritual army rose against the army of ignorance which manifested as the lower self. Hey, what was your big idea? The one that involves all of us, including you, said girl. The yogini was practicing her asanas, and so she began to flow to the rattle of a few African beads. I added a drumbeat when I felt the white horse gallop through my heart as a distant train picked up speed. Wherever I went, the vibration of Spanda was there to lead us home. Vibration, postures, wisdom, and the breath of wind horse. Yes, this was the way of the seer's great throne. And what if death isn't so scary? But why are we still afraid? What if death was a new beginning that the spirit knew as an upgrade? Now all sorts of new souls around the train tracks began to dance. The animals assumed an energetic prance, and all of us came together as a tantric expression of ecstatic movement that took us into a trance. This was the vibration of a creatrix. It need not a body or mind. It was embedded within creation, and as my awareness searched for the seer of the self, the perfection of creation is what I came to find. For in that moment, everything was all right. It appeared the earth was in tune. All this while, the planet promoted natural harmony and union the best it could, and it was even balanced by the moon. But the people, on the other hand, they seemed to be disconnected from the great source. And that's when I began to realize the power of the white steed I called Wind Horse. As the horse ran faster in my heart, I heard a train far away approaching the tracks. There was a certain magnetizing force coming, because just as our vibration grew, so did our power to attract. Is it just me, or does it feel like our world is about to collapse? Asked Girl. She ran her arms down a set of strings, then she looked me dead in the eye. So what's your big idea? Asked the cat, with the universe flowing out from her eyes. It's time for the old way to die. Death? Asked Girl. Well, something's got to give. Otherwise, how else will we change? It's written. This is the dawn of a new age, said Girl. Good thing I brought extra sage, said the yogini. We all heard the train coming, but still it had not come into view. I held the dark banner as high as I could. I wanted to alert the conductor that we were protectors of the world's youth. I do have a question. Does this mean that death is the truth? Asked the yogini. She said it as I thought it, and this meant her and I were now in tune. We were connected to the same seer, that spiritual center which was the treasure of all bounty and boon. Somehow the words came through me, and so I thought of myself as a channel. As if the spirit crossed a great desert, I was like a vehicle, the same way a man rides a camel. We listened to the hum of a distant train, and I heard the collective speak up through a vibration that no eye could see. Activated by sound, a hidden layer of perspective was set free. There the seer abides in its own nature. Yes, you are that seer, which is infinite potential you can reshape since the universe acts just like a mirror. 
Now I realize I am not this body, and I am not this mind. Rather, we are a collection of spiritual souls, and our spirit is eternal and divine.